Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you I had to fail, had to fall just for what I did well Alright, it's day six of the 2023 Men's World Cup in India. Adam Collins and Ken Ponson be with you in India. The action this morning uh, was between England and Bangladesh in Durham, Charlotte. Ken, tell us all about it in 30 seconds. Johnny Bairstow and David Milan wax it up top. Uh, Johnny Besto got out for 50. Milan continued to whack it. Joe Root then came in, whacked it a bit more elegantly than David Milan. Uh, he eventually got out around about the same time as David Milan. England looked like they could have got about 700. They were really well placed. They were roughly kind of 250, 300 for two with just over 10 to, let, 10 to go. Bangladesh bowled beautifully well to restrict them to 364, but 364 was always going to be too many, especially when Reese Topley got in the party and bowled beautifully up top and basically ended the game within the within the power play by removing all three of Bangladesh's left-handers. Nicely done, Cam. Yes, yeah, so the margin is 137 runs with England having Milan making 140 from 107. His sixth one-day 100, his fourth this year, really turned it on. His 100 coming in 91 balls. Best day, 52. Root, 82 from 68, but his last 65 came in about 40-odd balls. Some contributions down the list. Bangladesh's bowlers did well to keep it to 66 from the final 10. I think we all thought at 298 uh, runs on the board with 10 to go. England seemingly always hit 100 in the back 10 when they're in a situation like that. Butler elevated himself to four. He came and went for 20 in a hurry and they just got tied up by some pretty good death bowling from Bangladesh. So three wickets for Shurafal Islam who at one point took two wickets in two balls including bowling Liam Livingston uh, and Mahedi Hassan. The other one uh, we'll come to that. The two Mahedi Hassans, they both bowl off breaks, uh, took four for 71. And uh, the captain, Shakib Al Hassan, one for 52, bowling in the middle overs. Just on that, I think that for Bangladesh, where they found themselves in early strife from a strategic or tactical perspective was that they needed Shakib to keep the, the shackles on because Milan was batting so well, especially through the leg side. I mean, he's now up to, as I said, four one day hundreds this year. That's the most ever joint for England. And he's made his sixth one day century in his 23rd innings, the most ever. No one's ever done it quicker than 27 innings before. How about that? It's, it's remarkable. And like, it, like, he just slogs it so well. Yeah. He just batters the leg side and he kind of he's so kind of brutal in his simplicity and I'm kind of like I've never really quite got David Milan and now I'm kind of having to sit here and go well obviously I'm wrong like he's <laughs> genuinely having a, this generational period of form he's as you said he's the fastest ever to six ODI hundreds he's got four this year and it's kind of absolutely vindicating not only England's decision to pick him as first choice but also that swap to put, bring Brook into the squad for Jason Roy because Ben Stokes has been away so England will be able to keep that, that balance of their side but I've always had it with, with Milan like I think I've said on this show before that I, I felt, thought he was the stag do selection like there, weren't, there were people yeah. unavailable in the ones and so he got to go up top and then he scored so many runs that they just couldn't drop him despite wanting and thinking there are other people who are better than him but he's held on to that opportunity performed better than arguably anyone else in the world and is rightly 
where he is and potentially leading England through a World Cup campaign. Yeah, so you called him the stag do selection just before he went on this run of 674 runs at 84, a strike rate of 104 centuries in that sequence. Someone uh, today, my captain in the authors team, Charlie Campbell, said to me that um, is he... Is he Keir Starmer? And I think the point he's making is um, unpopular, um, doesn't have a lot of latitude or leeway when it comes to a lot of people following the sport or politics, as it were, yet seemingly quite effective when it comes to um, Milan posting numbers and, and I suppose if you want to continue this all the way through, Starmer posting poll numbers. Uh, and, and the only poll that matters is next year. But you know what I'm trying to say, you know, like uh, guys or, or, or cricketers who don't always have... Uh, a lot of latitude. So I think after Milan missed out against New Zealand, people were again saying, oh, gee, oh, I don't know, World 14 Cup. 14 of 24, too slow. World Cup, too slow. But um, Milan finds a way every second or third innings of doing something match-winning as it was today. Well, I think I think that's quite right. It's every second or third innings, that's literally what the best players in the world do. Like, yeah. it's actually, I always I remember the Royal Driver talking about, like, oh, two out of every three innings I didn't reach 50 it's a game of failure I was like that's not a game of failure that is a game of great success <laughs> and that's what David Milan's doing I was kind of going off that I my political uh, analogy in my head I went to like back to how Theresa May became um, Prime Minister or leader mm-hmm. of the Tory party and that kind of just one by one everyone else kind of folded their cards right. and she was left there standing and that's kind of the way where I went with that I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily sign on to the Starmer thing completely because if we get to next year and Starmer's Prime Minister then I will agree with you but at the moment still leader of the opposition. Well, it could work either way, right? If England don't win the World Cup or if Milan has a rough trot and Starmer doesn't win the election, then it'll continue through. On the other hand, if England go back-to-back and Labour are victorious next year and there's a change of government, it goes all the way. David Milan, England captain for the Ashes. 2025 26. <laughs> time, time will tell. So, uh, Milan absolutely flying. Joe Root started the tournament with a couple of 80s now. I mentioned the acceleration from him today, which I thought was quite important. They made a big point after the loss against New Zealand to reinforce they needed to go harder in tough situations. That Morgan esque philosophy from before 2019. Some days we'll get bowled out for 100. That's okay because most of the time we'll go above 300. Well, they did that today. Yeah, and they, yeah, they could have got 400, but. 364, it felt like uh, on a day that was looking like maybe a banana peel. Yeah, Bangladesh winning against Afghanistan, had a great couple of years in this form of the game. Uh, We were talking about them yesterday when they knocked off Afghanistan in their first game, that they had enough weapons to be a threat for England, but um, the big boys stood up. I think you're completely right right there. And what's really pleasing for England is it's such a kind of call and response victory. Mm. After that loss against New Zealand, Joe Root said to the BBC, he was like, you're not going to see us getting caught in the ring anymore. Like You're going to see lads getting out, trying to boom it 20 rows back. Right. And they responded in such manner. You had Davin Milan from the top, not getting 14 off 24, having that fantastic century. Joe Root, he's kind of like, almost like a bullet train battery. He's like, he bats so quickly, but so quietly, without any real kind of thrill or kind of, kind of obvious bludgeoning power. I've lost my train of thought completely there. It's okay. I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up and say that what I think was noteworthy with Milan is that each time a new bowler came on uh, this morning, which it was for us, he he hit a boundary off them in the first over, or a couple in the case of the other Mahdi Hassan. Like he he immediately was transferring pressure back. Had that reverse sweep out quite early as well. I think he advanced to 50 with a reverse from 39 balls Mm. or something like that. So he was willing to bat in a more enterprising fashion. And I think that set the way for the others that followed. But it's what your point about uh, Bangladesh being the banana skin. And what was, I think was really fortunate for England is they had them in Dharmashala in that England were able to then transition to that four-seamer attack in, in conditions that suited them a little bit better than where Bangladesh, who have been strong in the format recently, but would be a much tougher challenge in, say, Chennai, where they mm. take on New Zealand next. Had England had this same fixture in Chennai, where you're play, coming up against like 
the spin trio of Bangladesh and all of a sudden you're going, bloody hell, we're, we're one game, one loss. And now all of a sudden we've got to play a very tricky nation in even trickier conditions. And yeah, I think everything's just settled down a little bit for England now because it was it it really was a case of if if they'd beaten New Zealand, this would have been seen as another routine victory en route to making the semi-finals. Whereas actually, you lose this, and all of a sudden your campaign's on life support. Like it's not dead, but you had to pretty much be perfect throughout through to the end to make the semi-finals. Yeah, you, you get one more slip up, and they've still yeah. got games against you know Australia and but you, you uh, don't South Africa ahead of them. They wouldn't yeah. necessarily have got that that extra game to slip up in because if they lose it if they lose if they're six and three but given how heavily they lost to new zealand then their net run rates fucking them basically and right. they could have missed out that way and it's now back in the black i note that net run rate we might actually you know what let's go to net run rate because this game felt dead after yeah. six overs of the reply so Topley takes two wickets in his first over uh, an absolute beauty uh, off the top uh, which uh, i can't remember who he knocked over now the first one oh tanzin tanzin caught it second slip uh, and then Shanto, who's been so dangerous batting in the middle overs for Bangladesh, doesn't make the middle overs here. Uh, he's caught in the gully or at backward point. Then an absolute gem from Topley to remove Shakib Al-Hassan might be a contender for the ball of the tournament so far. So that's in the sixth over. So we, we broadly speaking know the way this game's going to go, yeah. unless it's a huge twist. By the end of the 20th over, Bangladesh needs to go at nines. At the end of the 30th over, they need to go at 11 and over. They're never doing it. But they make their mind up. Not unreasonably, they're going to try and bat through the overs and preserve some precious yeah. net run rate they're not going to get bowled out for 170 swinging in the end they're all out for 227 which is still a thumping but in context they they might have saved themselves a decimal point or two with net run rate and to me it's always the thing about why is that the tiebreaker instead yeah. of head-to-head head-to-head is so much more elegant i get that net run rate incentivizes teams to play more aggressively the whole way through but isn't that the way modern cricket's played anyway we're not back in 1992 or 1996 where four and over was a pretty good day i mean they're all trying to hit the cover off it regardless. I don't think, I think that run rate, we, we've graduated beyond it because now we're seeing it used the other way where it actually slows the game down rather than speeding it up. Well, exactly. We can't, we can't have it both ways in that we say, if teams are ahead, we go, God, if they're chasing 200, it's like rather than chasing it in 30 overs, we're like, let's see them chase it in 17 yeah, yeah. And, really, and really kind of put the hammer down and then criticise teams who then put the brakes on their own defeat to, to protect that, that metric. Of course, Bangladesh were within their rights and they'd have been stupid not to do that. Yep. It's kind of, yeah, it's one of those ones where I'm sure in some room somewhere there's a reason why they haven't opted against head-to-head. What that reason is, I don't particularly know. Is it a case of maybe it actually, we talk about it being boring now if we go on that run rate, but actually if it's head-to-head, does that kind of swap over how exciting things could be in the final round? That, because, that's definitely why. It's because yeah. they want jeopardy all the way through and exactly. they want a situation where a team can go from fifth to fourth provided they flog a side. And, and we've seen it manipulated before at the 99 World Cup where Australia had their go slow against the West Indies in order to try and bring a team through with them. Didn't quite work out the way they planned it, but I think they scored their last their last nine runs in that victory in 13 overs with Steve Waugh batting with Michael Bevan to game that run rate. So it's not a new thing. Yeah. It's just that we're seeing it in a slightly different way I mean, now, yeah. earlier in the tournament as well. What do you want in your sport? Do you want justice or entertainment? So... Yeah, I think a helping of each works with um, works with uh, head-to-head. Just on England's bowling, I felt like low-key, low-key, yeah. really important day for Chris Wokes. Didn't bowl that well off the top. Got hit for three, got hit for three boundaries uh, on the trot by uh, Lytton Dust. Who, who, um, Lytton Dust was outstanding. We're not touched on him yet, but he made, I think it was 74 from uh, about 60-odd deliveries, but had a real crack in the power play with wickets falling around him and had 
45 of the first 50 runs that Bangladesh made or, or something like that. So Wokes has a chunk taken out of him in the first over, then returns to, to get a wicket in the power play, which really sealed Bangladesh's fate. They were four down inside the first 10. Gets another one later. Uh, I think from memory it was Mushfika when he was bowling around the wicket to him. I'll check it rather than saying it was Mahedi Hassan um, who Butler had caught behind. Um, a lovely piece of Chris Wokes um, 101 really. But um, you can see a world where Wokes, much as it is with Milan, because um, he's not playing in England and he's not using a Duke's ball, a couple of bad performances in a row and we're going to start talking about the guy who's been a double world champion and the man for all seasons for England in white ball cricket having his spot under threat because there are people on the sidelines needing to get in, like Ben Stokes. Well, I remember you talking about this just the other week about people forget that Chris Wokes' kind of emergence story or where he, where he became the England player was in the subcontinent. In Asia, was, yeah. was in Asia. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I think it's, it was in, interesting today that Butler kind of kept going with him. It was almost the case of, like, we're going to bowl you back into form. Like, I know you're going around the park, but we have runs to play with. You are our kind of premier seam bowling all-rounder, as it were, and we just got to keep the faith. And I think, yeah... Two games does not make a bowler not, if that's a saying at yep. all. And um, is now. It is now. I think it was very elegant, actually. I really enjoyed it. Um, but Chris Wokes, I, 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 there are places I'm going to save my worry for, and Chris Wokes isn't one of them. I think it's going to be absolutely fine. If you if we fast forward to South Africa, who do we want with the new ball? It would be Chris Wokes. And they're all in on Adil Rashid as well as the number one spinner, and rightly so. One for 42. I think the overs he bowled before the wicket were as important as when he came back and bowled a googly through the gate. Just being able to bowl dry, and we've seen it. Uh, it's not been easy for spinners bowling after dark to bowl dry overs so far in the tournament. Not sure how dewy it was in... Well, actually, it wouldn't have been. It was a day game, not a day-night game. So it'll be more of a test when he's got to bowl in the evening, as it was against Conway and Ravindra in the opening game. But one for 42, he'll be thrilled with that, as will Mark Wood. One for 29 from 10. But with Wood, forget about the figures, he bowled a number of balls above 150 clicks. And with Wood, that always remains the... Uh, the most reliable indicator of Wood taking wickets is Wood bowling extremely quickly. So, you know, you add that to Topley coming into the side for Moen Ali. Um, Moen out of the team early on. Ben Stokes needs to come back. Reese Topley straight away in form with four for 43, and couple of, including a couple of outstanding wickets. And one caught down at deep third with extra pace, to be fair, yep. from him. Um, it, it's going to be tough, with the exception of games at Chennai, maybe, for Moeen to play in this England team, I think. it was. I, I was thinking exactly that when Topley was taking those wickets. Immediately, people were going, cool, they look a better side of four seamers, two spinners. And like, of course they were. They lost by nine wickets. It yep. might have been nine million wickets the last game. <laughs> and here they've won by 100 runs. The side's always going to look better. And the person that's coming, has been the pick of the bowlers but it does feel like that's almost going to be the the side that England settled on like if there are going to be changes for the Afghanistan fixture maybe it's they maybe they rest Mark Wood and go Gus Atkinson instead get someone else in, yep. in kind of the mix um, but it, it is one of those like real issues for Moen Ali here and that also Liam Livingston didn't really have a chance to do anything particularly right or wrong he got a fantastic ball first up was clean bowled for a golden duck. Obviously, that is literally the worst you can do as a batter. <laughs> but at the same time, it means he hasn't really proven or lost any kind of credit in the bank. And he also got a wicket first ball. There's a story my friend tells me, which I've, I've always really enjoyed, where his dad played like a handful of first class matches um, in New Zealand, like way back when or whatever. And he got a pair on debut. And to his surprise, he got picked for the following match. And he right. went to the coach and went, oh, thank you very much for like your faith in my selection and all that. Like, I was, to be honest, I was surprised I was picked. And the coach goes, yeah, well, I couldn't drop you. I haven't seen you bat. And kind of that whole idea of like, if Moeen Ali's going to find a way back into this team, if it's going to be a four-seamer, two-spinner mm. kind of balance, 
is that Liam Livingston loses form that he has to try and prove he's better than that and that didn't happen today. Well, that's it, isn't it? Livingston comes on to bowl the 40th over and takes a wicket with his first ball. Lovely ball too, but that all feeds into it, I think. And look, they bodied Bangladesh today up top in the power play because Topley's able to do that. Extra height, extra bounce, change of angle, left arm mostly over the wicket, but we saw um, around the wicket from time to time as well. He's developed himself as a, a specialist bowler at the death as well. So Moeen can hit quick runs, but he's not going to body you with the ball. Um, and I think that's the, the challenge that, that Moeen has getting back in. Pitches might deteriorate when there's more traffic on them. Deeper into a six-and-a-half-week tournament, they'll play a game, one game at Chennai. I think that might be their next game, actually. No, they play at Delhi, Delhi next. But um, Delhi will turn as well, based on what we saw there earlier this year. Certainly, uh, when they get to Chennai, it will. Um, but yeah, this configuration does feel like one uh, that they'll be more comfortable with as they, as they work through the tournament. Um, and, uh, and the last thing I wanted to mention, which I forgot to mention before, is that nobody now has more um, one-day runs in a World Cup for England than Joe Root. So the glue in the middle, he's not going anywhere. You know, Livingston gets a golden duck today but takes a wicket. I, I don't imagine Livingston's going anywhere. They want him as the finisher. So I guess my last question for you before you advance to the Hall of Fame is where does Ben Stokes fit, if he is available for the next fixture, and it sounds like he might be. I, I think they will leave Stokes out of Afghanistan on the basis that England expects themselves to win and yeah. make sure that he's 100% right for it there's no point in risking him and I think he just comes straight in for Harry Brooks so Brook becomes a spare bat again I, I, I don't think I actually don't know if there'll be any debate around it I think it'll be a kind of completely straight swap alright time for the final word Hall of Fame the final word Hall of Fame is brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City uh, we're already turning our mind to Christmas uh, and we're doing so because Europe's tallest Christmas tree is at the ice rink no. at Westfield London Europe's tallest Christmas tree Stand down Berlin. Got nice markets. Haven't got a fucking huge Christmas tree. That's Westfield, London. That's over in, in Shepherd's Bush. Jeff and I have had a couple of day trips out there. We've hit some, hit some bombs at Sixes. We've had a bite to eat at one of the Indian restaurants there. It's a, it's a stunning little street there, but the biggest Christmas tree. Um, so whether you're as comfortable on the ice as the West Coast, West Coast Eagles circa 2006, that's a gag about football and drugs mm. and a premiership team from back then. Or you've never skated before. <laughs> it's a perfectly festive day out day night day day or night out do we day know, do we know when out. the tree goes up we don't um we can probably find out by icerinkwestfieldlondon.co.uk um, you I can buy wait. yourself a ticket i'm going to the first night of it with the girls um it starts i believe in november i think mid-november so it'll still be when the world cup's going on but buy your tickets icerinkwestfieldlondon.co.uk and have a little glide around the circuit like you know little torval and dean um, you can do the, the flip they got um, they got deducted points for back in 1994 and moved from the gold position to the bronze position. You can do what they did in Sarajevo in 84 when they won the gold. Um, who's Torval, who's Dean? That's my question. For all of you out there, be there. Uh, Westfield, London, Westfield, Stratford City, more extra, less ordinary. Cam, your moment of the day. I was just saying, one of the best days you can have in London. Get yourself to Westfield until about two, then wander down to Shepherd's Bush, which keep your home game. Carry on with your life. Perfect. <laughs> Christmas treat for everyone involved. Uh, my Hall of Fame, fame moment. I was, I was actually really enjoying the commentary today um, for no reason than other than I was being a bit of an arse. And Owen Morgan made me laugh when he started this really kind of like quite interesting and profound anecdote about like someone he was really he found really difficult to pick up and like really kind of score runs against. I was like, fuck, who's this going to be? He's like, so Lassif Malinga. And I was like, yeah. I've heard of him. I was like, oh, brilliant. One of the best white bowlers of all time. If you tell you. 
I, it would be more interesting if you said he was really easy to face. That would have, that would have been brilliant. Yeah, this bowler I really struggled with. Brett Dory played, you know, three one-day internationals it, for Australia. To, to, to double down that, actually, I actually have remembered something. I remember interviewing Andrew Hall, the old South African all-rounder, and he spoke about when you first face Alathith Malinga, your teammates would tell you to watch the umpire's chest because everyone, your, your body's so trained to picking up the ball from yeah, right. kind of the conventional place, and actually you want to be watching the umpire's chest because that's where the ball came out of. Love it. Um, I thought Bairstow, a few things about um, making the bowlers wait. Bairstow making the bowler wait because the PA was still on. Yeah. Um, that's a new one. I mean, Bairstow yeah. loves to... There, there is no sight screen that's big enough for Johnny Bairstow. There was a moment where Shurful was bowling. No, sorry, Mustafiza was bowling. And Joe Root pulled out at the last moment. And the poor bastard didn't let the ball go. He tried to do the right thing and not let it go. And nearly did his knee. Yeah. Doubled over. Um, I get these things happen. It wasn't Root's fault, but um, those did jump out at me. Reese Topley's facial expression when knocking over Shakir. Oh, They've yeah. got the super slow-mo. And he's like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's a fucking beauty. And it was. You don't get many of those as a left arm over the wicket hitting the top of off. Absolutely uh, not. But Topley in great nick. Nice to see friend of the final word, um, Stephen Finn, get on the broadcast when they were referring to England hat World tricks Cup, in World Cups. Yeah. Um, I was there for that. Valentine's Day 2014. Five years to the day um, from when, uh, before we moved into this house and six years to the day from when our first daughter was born. I'm, there I'm you go. You February 14. I was about to get, I've, I've literally learned that stat about 30 minutes ago and I was going to reel it off then. Yeah, so uh, that's that's a nice one for you. Um, and uh, uh, Moeen, Rash and Stokes have been playing cricket together for what, a dozen years? Like yeah. in the age groups. I think they're in the age... Uh, Moeen was in the age groups with Stokes, wasn't he? E- either way, yeah. these three know each other so well, right? Yeah. And at one point, Rashid's fielding on the boundary at deep third. And between balls, they just kept having a laugh between the three of them. They're all yeah. doubling over in laughter. Next ball, the top of the edge, the deep third, and Rashid makes no mistake. So Perfect. you can't break that man's concentration. It did break my concentration, though, Cam. Um, at the very end of the game, the final wicket to fall was Tashkin Ahmed. He was bowled by Sam Curran for 15. It's a, a more or less irrelevant. What's relevant is the previous ball from Sam Curran smashed leg stump and the bail didn't come off. Now, we've been banging on about this for literally four years, since the last World Cup yeah. in England in 19. These zinc bales are so bloody heavy, they don't fall off when they should fall off. As we said on the show, on the weekly show a couple of weeks ago, bales are there as an indicator as to when the ball has hit the stump. We have technology now via Ultra Edge and Snicko that, that can tell us when the ball has hit the stump. The bales falling off for just the dismissal of bold should be irrelevant. Um, I don't care about bales lighting up or falling off. If the ball's hit the stump, Given we have the technology, change the playing conditions. That should be out. Can we, can we just have like a thin... I'm going to be honest, I, I don't give a shit. I quite like it. I like, I like, I like the randomness of it. Quite... Isn't it going to happen in a World Cup final where someone... It might have a World Cup final. You know what I mean? It should have fucking, he should have bowled a bit more to the right then, shouldn't he? Yeah, but hitting the stumps enough is enough. We I, get, I, get, I get that. Ed, uh, rather from D, D, um... I think you lose one of the great aesthetic pleasures of the sport. If we, if we go down that road, I just I just think get get the get the bale a bit lighter, get the groove a bit thinner, and let him hit the floor. Gravity oh, gravity is one of the best tools we have in cricket. I want to keep the bales. I, 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 okay. I, I, I'm not I'm not one of these get rid of the bales guys because the bales yeah. has increased the size of the stump, right? Yeah. It's marginally bigger because they exist. No problems with them being there in the aesthetic you refer to, but simply that. If you're in a televised game, there are, and people will say, what about in recreational cricket? We can never tell. Yeah. The MCC laws oversee that. The ICC playing conditions and each professional comp have their own set of playing rules, if you like, separate rules. Um, and, and that can be used for this. Anyway, a rant to finish. On that, I remember playing a club game um, a few years ago and a dad on my team. It was sorry, Spencer 2s against Farnham 2s. Okay. And there was a rain delay. 
and the dad got in a like a vicious row with the umpire about what we should have been back on the pitch basically and he got up the ICC World Cup regs <laughs> as proof of why we should be playing in the Surrey Championship which is wrong of course it was the wrong, and, the, and, the, and the umpire was like you fucking idiot <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> get out the laws or get out the comps bylaws very least, uh, to come, England have Afghanistan at Delhi on Sunday. Bangladesh playing again on Friday, so just three days' time. They're playing New Zealand at Chennai, Chennai. which I think is a pretty good matchup, actually. Bangladesh spinners, spot by New you Zealand up. on a bit of a roll, but you know you could see a world where them having not faced a lot of spin so far. Bangladesh win there would be really fun for the competition. And the other game in our doubleheader, we neglected to mention it's the first of two podcasts today. Uh, Jeff's got... Uh, Baz with him, Brett Sunderation. Uh, I don't know where they are. I think they're in luck now. But they've been watching the game at Hyderabad between Pakistan and Sri Lanka, uh, where Sri Lanka got off to a great start, making 344. So that'll all come in the second show today. Thank you, Cam. I'm not sure when you're with us next, but it can't be uh, can't be long because you're doing plenty of these Absolutely. throughout the course of the tournament. England on the board. Our coverage is thanks to Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. Talk to you tomorrow. Same we've been doing for centuries Sorry if I ran out to empty Wrote this so you know what I meant here I had to go about